Chapter Three of the Confessions of a Daddy by Ellis Parker Butler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three The Day of the Spank. Now, you just take a good look at this here right fist of mine. Looks like a ham, don't it? And see all them calluses on the palm? Ain't that a tool fit to break rock with? And what do you say if I told you I used that once to hit that little tender kid of mine? Actually hit her. What do you say to that? I won't forget that night soon, I tell you. Just figure to yourself that it's sundown and the blinds pulled down in the room where Dee Dee's cot was standing like a little iron-barred cage. We got into the way of calling the kid Dee Dee, that being what she called herself. There was all the signs that Dee Dee was going to sleep, and the plainest sign was Dee Dee herself, standing up in her crib, wide awake, holding on to the foot of the crib, trampling the sheets into a tangle of white underbrush, as you might say, and no more asleep than you are. The way Dee Dee went to sleep was like the death of an alligator. It was a long and strenuous affair. Marthy stood looking at Dee Dee with reproaches in her eyes. We had a sort of tradition in the family that Dee Dee had to go to sleep quick and quiet without any nonsense. Every night when Marthy put the little white rascal in the crib, she had hopes that the tradition would come true. And every night it didn't. The go-to-sleep hour was the time Dee Dee seemed to pick out to have an hour of especially lively fun and for weeks she had been breaking the laws and walking all over the rules with her pink feet. She did not see, coming up over the horizon and getting nearer every day, the stern and horrid spank. We had got together in a sort of family conclave and decided that Dee Dee was about old enough to be punished by laying on of hands. We decided it one time when Dee Dee was out of the room and we had been right stern about it. We could be stern about Dee Dee when she wasn't in sight. When she come smiling and singing along, we generally had to quit being stern and kiss her. Dee Dee was twenty-two months old, and she was ninety-eight percent pure sweetness. Some of the women in our end of town said her short curly hair was toe-colored, but it wasn't so. They was just envious of us and one and all said her eyes was like little round bits of blue sky. It was clear enough that she had inherited her sweetness from Marthy, and some said it was equally clear that the two percent of unadulterated stubbornness come from me. I said so myself, but I didn't believe it. Dee Dee was getting to be a regular person. She could tell what she wanted, and once in a while we could understand what it was. It was full time, everybody said, that her education had ought to begin. If she was going to grow up into a fine, sincere woman like Marthy, she must have the right kind of start. Just the night before the day of the spank, Marthy had begun to teach her her religious education. Standing up at Marthy's knee, for Dee Dee would not kneel to God or man, she had repeated, Now lay me down, ye seep. Potty oh so tea anybody had ought to know that was now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. 
It was a fine success for a first start. Only she didn't do what she said she was going to do and lay me down to sleep. Instead of that, she stood up in her crib for about an hour calling for Mamie, the meaning of which was that she wanted to be rocked and have Marthy sing Mary Had a Little Lamb to her. The day of the spank had a bad opening. When Dee Dee woke up along about five o'clock a.m., it was raining pitchforks, and that meant a day indoors, and to start off, she stood up in her crib and called for Lamb. Marthy woke up, sort of realizing that Dee Dee was repeating that word slow but regular, and she sat up and thought Lamb was a new word, and the meaning of it was unknown, but whatever it was, Dee Dee wanted it. She wanted it bad. Nothing but lamb would satisfy her. Marthy studied that word good and hard. It did not seem to suggest anything to eat or drink, and as near as Marthy could make out, it didn't rightly apply to any toy, game, song, person, or anything else. Marthy woke me up, and I sat up with a sigh. Dee Dee looked at me as if she thought she would get what she wanted now, sure. Lamb, Dee Dee? I asked, and she smiled as sweet as you please. Papa, lamb, she says again. Lamb, I says, thoughtful, looking around the room and up at the ceiling. I screwed up my forehead and studied and twisted my neck to look into the next room. Lamb, what's a lamb, anyhow? I give it up, I says, after I thought of everything in the world pretty near. Maybe her grandpa would know. Maybe it's something he taught her. We lifted Dee Dee out of her crib and set her down on the floor, and she pattered down the hall. We could hear her telling him to give her lamb, and the puzzled way he answered her back. Lamb, birdie? What is it? Say it again, Dee Dee. Lamb? Granddaddy don't know what you want, Dee Dee. Neither did Uncle Ed, who was staying with us about then. Nobody knew what lamb was but Dee Dee, and she wanted it the worst way. She come back and stood by Marthy's bed and just begged for it. It was a hard day for Marthy. It was Monday and wash day, so Dee Dee couldn't bother Katie in the kitchen, and it was raining too. Dee Dee just wandered through the house like she had lost her last friend, and then she would come back to Marthy and ask for Liam. She wouldn't have nothing to do with her toys, and she wouldn't sew with a pen, and she wouldn't sit at the table and write, and she wouldn't look at the photograph book. And the worst of it was that she wouldn't keep still a minute. By noontime, Marthy had a headache. By sundown, she had nerves. And about then she began to look at Dee Dee with a sort of reproachful look. Dee Dee had said that unknown word about ten thousand times. Marthy put Dee Dee to bed in her crib, and Dee Dee stood up and called for Lamb, just as insistent as ever. I read once how Wellington at Waterloo, in the big fight they had there, prayed for night or butcher. And that was about how Marthy longed for the Sandman or me to come. I was the one that come at last. 
I come in the house wet to the skin and plumb disgusted, my pants sticking to my legs and all over mud, and I chucked my soaking hat and my umbrella into a corner, the way a tired-out man will, and just dropped into a chair, tuckered out. I let out one good long sigh of thanks that I was at the end of a hard day. Hiram, comes Marthy's voice, come in here and see if you can do anything with Edith. I have worked with her all day and I'm played out. I'm utter tired. Oh, plague, I says. I sat a minute, drumming on the arm of my chair, and then I got upon my feet and walked into the bedroom. What's the matter? I says, as near cross as I calculate I ever get, and Marthy's eyes filled up. I can't do anything with her, she says. She won't go to sleep. She has been dreadful all day. I don't feel like I could stand it another minute. Marthy threw herself on the bed and covered up her face with her hands. She was crying. I guess I frowned. Dee Dee looked up at me as sweet as a little angel. Papa, lamb, she says. No, says I, no lamb, Dee Dee. You lie down and go to sleep like a good girl. Papa'll fix your pillow nice. I pounded up her pillow and turned it over and pulled the sheets out straight. Then I took the baby and laid her down gentle. She smiled and cuddled into the pillow. Oh, what a nice bed, I says. Ain't it a nice bed, Dee Dee? Nice bed, she allowed. Will I cover your feet, I says. Feet cov, she says, eager. So I spread the sheet up over her feet. Shut little eyes, I says in warning, but as gentle as you please. And she shut her eyes so tight her eyelids wrinkled. Now good night, Dee Dee. I says, Night, Papa, she coos. I stole out of the room as quiet as I knowed how and dropped cautious into my chair. I leaned back and smiled sort of grim. That shows, I thinks, that women ain't got the right kind of tact to handle a kid or else they've got catching nerves. It shows how easy a man can, Papa, lamb. Dee Dee's clear little voice just cut what I was thinking into two pieces. I was into that bedroom in about two steps. Dee Dee was standing up in her crib. Papa, lamb, she says, sort of anxious. No, I says, stern and earnest. No, lamb. Papa, lamb, she demands. No, I says in a way that froze her smile right where it was. She looked up at me, doubtful-like, her little pink and white chin puckered up, all ready to cry. Papa, lamb, lamb, she pleaded. I reached over and forced her right back onto her pillow. Dee Dee, I says in a voice that was new and that she wasn't acquainted with, go to sleep. Be quiet. Stop this instant, or I will spank you. I guess maybe the angels kept on singing as joyful as ever up in heaven. I guess maybe somewhere out west further the sun was shining down gay on nodding careless flowers. Maybe even in the next block 
some good baby was being snuggled up in its ma's arms but to dee dee lying in the corner of her crib the world had got a million years older in about a minute her world that had been all smiles and pleasant things had turned into a world of hard words and cruel faces her mama dear had on a mask of unfeeling coldness her papa dear stood up there towering above her a sort of giant of wrath flourishing an awful mysterious weapon the word spank it looked like everybody had gone back on her her friends which was me and marthy her playmates which was me and marthy her lovers which was me and marthy the providers of her joy which was me and marthy had turned into avengers she was all alone in a world of clubs just one wee kid and everybody against her she lay there a minute palpitating with her chin trembling piteous what was to be did when her parents vanished and these strange harsh people took their places she crept to the foot of the crib where i was standing and she got up and took hold of my arm and hugged it papa she says loving i pushed her back on the pillow again gentle but firm edith i says in the hard voice she wasn't acquainted with lie down and go to sleep i don't want to have no more of this go to sleep i hear the dinner bell tinkle from the dining room and i helped marthy to get up and we went out and left dee dee alone in the dark i ate the first part of my dinner without saying anything it wasn't exactly easy to be lively under them circumstances even uncle ned didn't say nothing and granddaddy didn't feel called on to start a conversation it got so we was so quiet it hurt uncle ed made bold to speak when i was a kid he says lightly i used to get spanked with a six-inch plank edward says marthy how can you say such a thing it done me good he says you can't begin too young we've all got the devil in us and the only way to get it out is to pound it out marthy laid down her fork and her lips trembled cut that out ed i says marthy has the nerves tonight and the subject ain't popular i think she's going to be good now says granddaddy who always stuck up for the kid being the best that ever lived she seems quiet enough she must have gone off to sleep i sure do hope so says marthy i never had such a day with her mama lamb came the little voice from the bedroom of a sudden i met tommy today i says and he mama lamb mama lamb called dee dee he asked to be remembered to you i says he was with mary wilson from the bedroom came a low maddening wail mama lamb papa lamb it kept getting louder it got to be a regular cry punctuated off here and there with calls for lamb marthy looked at me hopeless i seen the look and looked down at my plate i'll spank her when i'm done my dinner i says there's no other way we didn't say much during the rest of that meal 
It was a very solemn feast. We was all thinking of Dee Dee. There wasn't no doubt that the time had come we had been afraid of. The punishment and the crime was properly fitted to each other. Now or never was the time to spank. But we was a ridiculous tender-hearted family, and as the dinner went on, the spanking of Dee Dee loomed up bigger than Pike's Peak. It piled up huge and record-breaking above the teapots and the puddings, and looked about as important as the end of the world or a big war. When we got up, it was like the condemned going to the execution, and we marched into the front room like a jury, bringing in the death verdict, files into the courtroom. Dee Dee still cried for lamb. We four sat down and looked at the carpet as gloomy as a funeral. I opened my mouth, swallowed hard two times, and shut it again. Uncle Edward tapped on the carpet with his toe. Granddaddy looked at one of the spots on the same carpet like it was a personal insult to him, and Marthy smoothed out one of the roses on it with her heel. We wasn't half so interested in that carpet when we bought it as we looked to be that very minute. Well, says Marthy at last, I kept my eye away from hers. I looked out of the window. Next I got up and stood by the window and stuck my hands deep down into my pants pockets. If you're going to, says Marthy, if you ain't, Dee Dee was getting too bad to stand. It looked as if the neighbors would be coming in to complain next thing. I turned around and walked slow toward the bedroom. The three other grown-ups sat like stone statues. As I pushed aside the curtains, Marthy jumped across the room and grabbed me by the arm. Hiram, she cried eager, you won't be too severe. You won't get mad and hurt her. Marthy, I says, if you want to spank her, do so. If you want me to spank her, don't you mix in. I shook her hand off of me, and she went back to her chair, crying. Well, I went into that bedroom. Dee Dee left off crying when she seen me, and in the dim light I could see her standing in the crib. I stuck out my hand to take her, and she hung on to it. Papa, lamb, she begged. Edith, I says, hoarse in my throat, you've been naughty. Papa told you to go to sleep and mama told you to go to sleep when we tell you to go to sleep you've got to go to sleep now this is the last time i'm going to tell you will you lie down and go to sleep papa lamb she says impatient i set my mouth and lifted her up and laid her on the bed on her face and held her there she struggled and yelled be quiet i says be quiet or i will spank you she gave one long, lingering cry for Liam. I took a long breath and lifted up my hand, and—and—I ain't going to tell about that. Let's go into the other room. There sat the three other grown-ups, holding their hands over their ears with pained-looking faces. Even at that, they heard the sound of a dozen short, sharp claps— and the sound of the quick cries, and then there was a silent spell, only broken by the great big sobs of the little kid in the next room, 
sobs that sort of exploded their way out shaking the little body till the crib rattled the sobbing got weaker and weaker and came further apart and i stole out of the bedroom wiping my face with my handkerchief i think she'll be a good girlie now says granddaddy gentle-like that baby shocked and surprised laid on the pillow thinking as much as a baby could think something cruel and unexpected had happened to her me and marthy had turned cruel she didn't have no one to love up to she had been hurt her papa dear had hurt her because she had cried for laim i hope she will says marthy in reply to granddaddy and that minute from the bedroom came dee dee's voice papa it pleaded i jumped up from my chair evidently that child needed papa kiss says dee dee soft and pleading well i rather guess we all kissed her we hugged her until she was gasping for breath and she smiled at us and forgave us all even while the sobs came once in a while to interfere with her smiling aren't she a dear dear baby cried marthy poor little thing when we had loved her enough to spoil any good the spankin had done marthy drove us out come dearie she says to dee dee say your little prayers mamma forgot dee dee pressed up against her ma's knees joyous now i martha prompts her now e says dee dee lay me says marthy lamb says dee dee tickled as you please and then wondering why the whole lot of us shouts out lamb all of a sudden and why we laugh and crowd round her and kiss her and kiss her poor baby says marthy to be spanked for wanting to say her prayers by george says uncle edward talk about your martyrs she beats the whole bunch and to think there was once a time when me and marthy thought a kid was more bother than it was worth there ain't no child nowhere that ain't worth more than everything else in the world all put together no sir a baby has got more human nature in it than a man has even you take your big rough hand to it and you chastise it so that it screams out and the next minute it takes time in between sobs to hug its soft little arms around your neck and kiss you ain't that the realest kind of human nature why that's the kind that makes the world worth livin in at all i don't seem to recollect ever hearing that heaven was set aside as a sort of place where married folks could hang about by twos them that has had experience knows that would be a mighty poor kind of heaven one without children in it it's the child kind of human nature that sweetens up the world the give and take kind take your spankin when it comes and give back love in return for it end of chapter 3 end of the confessions of a daddy by ellis parker butler this book read by Phil Chenevere, June of 2018 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I hope you enjoyed it.